Welcome to the Mass Device Fast Five MedTech News Podcast, the show that keeps you up to date on the latest breakthroughs in medical technology with the top five news stories to get your day started. Today is June 8th. I'm your host, Danielle Kirsch, and today I'm joined by my co-host, Sean Hooley. Today, we're going to talk about iRhythm's recent FDA warning letter that outlines some pretty serious violations, no labs, non-invasive glucose monitor prototype, and Teleflex's recent FDA clearance for its temporary pacing guide wire, as well as some other news stories. First, how are you doing today, Sean? We've had a busy news day today. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm doing well. I'm excited to get into it. There's uh, quite a bit of news to, to really jump into and get to know about, I guess. Yes, definitely some interesting stories today. Without further ado, what's the first thing that we should know? The first thing is that the FDA cleared Teleflex's Watson temporary pacing guide wire. So it's the second FDA nod in as many days for Teleflex. So very good news for the company on the regulatory front after its Arrow device was approved for MRI yesterday. And what is that Watson temporary pacing guide wire? Well, Teleflex says it's the first commercially available bipolar temporary pacing guide wire designed specifically for use during TAVR and BAV procedures. Its dual functionality supports both valve delivery and ventricular bipolar pacing, offering a procedural alternative to help avoid a variety of complications, steps, and costs that are associated with right ventricular pacing. And how is it made? Teleflex says that it designed Watson with a flexible distal pigtail shape, multiple electrodes for its bipolar capabilities. All this together helps reduce the risk of ventricular perforation while providing confidence and capture during rapid pacing. So the FDA clearance highlights the regulatory recognition of Teleflex's Watson guide wire as a safe and reliable medical device. And the clearance clearly signifies that the device has met these stringent safety and efficacy standards to give healthcare professionals confidence in its performance and usability. What do executives think? Jake Newman, the president of the Americas at Teleflex, said that the technology enables the company to provide physicians with a new tool specifically engineered to address unmet clinical needs frequently encountered during TAVR or BAV procedures. Watson reflects the company's focus on purposeful innovation and its commitment to providing more options to further simplify minimalist TAVR and other structural procedures. All right. What's the next thing that we should know? Inari Medical launched its RevCore and Trever 16 Curve catheters. So two new products for treating venous stent thrombosis and venous thromboembolism. And what are these catheters? So RevCore is a mechanical thrombectomy device used for venous instant thrombosis, while Trever Curve or Trever 16 Curve is for pulmonary embolism and peripheral thrombectomy. This sounds like a significant development in the field of endovascular care. So RevCore removes instant thrombosis, but how do doctors feel about using this device? So Dr. Stephen Abramowitz, the chair of vascular surgery at MedStar Health in Washington, D.C., said that until now, physicians have had limited options treating patients suffering from symptoms of venous stent failure, and some patients are relegated to repeated suboptimal interventions. So he called RevCore a game changer because it physically removes instant thrombus, restores flow, and could potentially reduce the need for additional reintervention. And it also looks like Trever 16 Curve has a few advantages. How do doctors feel about using that device? Dr. Angelo Marino, an interventional radiologist and assistant professor of clinical radiology and biomedical imaging at Yale School of Medicine, said every venous thromboembolism patient is different with both aspiration and mechanical bloodless thrombectomy options available, including multiple sizes and shapes of large bore aspiration catheters. Doctors are now equipped to treat nearly every venous thromboembolism patient that comes through the door thanks to this innovation. Nice. It goes without saying that these catheters hold the potential to enhance the quality of care provided to patients with venous and arterial diseases. So 
Looks like we have some diabetes news. Yep. No Labs unveiled its non-invasive glucose monitor prototype. So a new breakthrough in glucose monitoring with what could prove to be groundbreaking non-invasive technology, the likes of which we really haven't seen. So you mentioned groundbreaking. What exactly is this non-invasive technology? So it's all based off of No Labs proprietary bio RFID technology that uses spectroscopy to direct electromagnetic energy through a substance or material. This helps capture a unique molecular signature and no labs hopes to integrate it into wearable mobile or benchtop form factors. In this case, it's a portable device that looks, you know, a little bit like the standard sensors or wearable technologies that you'd see. Interesting. Immediately, I thought about an Apple Watch. So how does that technology work? I should say No Labs has definitely, uh, they've shared pictures at least of some prototypes or ideas. They, they they hope to bring it to watches soon. So yeah, it is, it's for all kinds of devices. I think they'll eventually expand too. But yeah, as far as how it works, No Labs says that no medical grade commercially available non-invasive means of measuring blood glucose currently exists. So the company hopes to deliver this first FDA-cleared non-invasive blood glucose monitor for those with diabetes and prediabetes. It calls the Gen 1 prototype a portable research lab designed as a powerful data collection device, enabling the company to scale data collection tenfold, including testing across diverse participant populations and scenarios. It sounds like we're pretty close to being able to monitor a lot of aspects of our health just from our wrists, which is kind of interesting. Why is this technology important? Yeah, well, as we've discussed CGMs and diabetes monitoring tech, you know, we've discussed it plenty and there's already incredible technologies out there. And despite the advancements and despite how easy and painless the application of existing CGMs can be, what No Labs is proposing is the first device that can do the same type of monitoring and measuring, but non-invasively. So it's still early, but it could be game-changing and, you know, just a different option for people who would prefer it that way. Interesting. What else do you have for us? Former Insulate CEO Shacey Petrovich joined the Imperative Care Board of Directors. So just over a year since she stepped down from the corner office at Insulate, Shacey Petrovich will lend her leadership expertise at Imperative Care now. I remember when she stepped down from Insulate, it kind of took us by surprise. So can you give us a little bit of her career experience that she's bringing to Imperative Care? Yeah, she served as CEO at Insulate between 2019 and 2022 when she stepped down for personal reasons in May of last year. Previously served as president and CEO of a company called Clinical Innovations, a maker of devices and diagnostics for women's health. And for about 13 years from 2000 to 2013, she held a number of roles at Hologic and Cytic. She also serves on the board at Exact Sciences and Ambu. And what does Imperative Care do? Imperative Care develops connected technology for treating stroke and other ischemic diseases. Their Zoom stroke solution platform aims to usher in a new era of stroke thrombectomy. It enables fast and consistent treatment, improved procedure outcomes. It uses reperfusion so that physicians can perform fast, effective clot removal in patients with ischemic stroke. So she obviously has this wide variety of experience among many different technologies. What are executives at Imperative Care saying? Fred Kasravi, the chair and CEO of Imperative Care, said that Chasey dedicated her career to improving care for patients while bringing tremendous value to the clinical community. And it's a privilege to have her serve on Imperative Care's board as Kasravi expects the company to benefit from her vast executive experience and look forward to her meaningful contributions in delivering on the company's mission to bring more care to more patients. And our final news for the day is something that Chris and I briefly touched on last week, but we didn't have the full details. But 
Now it looks like there's full details available for us. Yeah, it's a pretty heavy one. There's some harsh allegations in there that uh, iRhythm will have to face as a company. It's FDA warning letter detailed alleged violations and patient deaths. And it looks like there are four main violation types here. Can you briefly explain which ones iRhythm is facing? So first, the FDA said that iRhythm is marketing its Zio system for unapproved indications, which would require new files. 510K submissions to the FDA. Second, the agency said it misbranded the Zio AT system by failing to include adequate directions for physicians regarding the system's transmission limit of 100 patient-triggered and 500 automatically de- detected arrhythmia events. Third, the FDA alleged that iRhythm was aware of customer complaints regarding the transmission limit since at least 2019, including two patients who died and significant arrhythmias that weren't reported to doctors. So that means the agency says iRhythm didn't launch corrective and preventive actions until the FDA's inspection. Fourth and finally, the FDA accused iRhythm of medical device reporting or MDR violations for failing to submit death or injury reports in a timely manner, failing to report dangerous device malfunctions regarding the transmission limit, and failing to develop and implement written MDR procedures. Interesting. The alleged violations and patient deaths outlined in the warning letter kind of highlight the importance of transparency, accountability, and the continuous monitoring of product performance and safety. Did iRhythm have a response to the release of this FDA warning letter? Yep. An email sent by the company to Jim Hammerand, who covered this news yesterday, read, iRhythm takes these matters very seriously and intends to respond within the specified time period and work diligently to address the FDA's comments. iRhythm maintains a commitment to a culture of quality and integrity iRhythm has already taken action intended to address certain items identified by the FDA in their Form 483 observations and intends to take appropriate action to further address the items identified in the 483 observations and the warning letter. All right. Well, that's all the news that we have for today. Once again, thank you for all of your news coverage on Mass Device and coming and giving us your expertise for the day. My pleasure. Thank you for having me as always. And for the listeners, you can read more on the Mass Device website and check out show notes at massdevice.com slash podcast. Connect with us online. I'm on Twitter at Danielle underscore Kirsch, K-I-R-S-H, and the same name on LinkedIn. What about you, Sean? You can find me on LinkedIn, Sean, S-E-A-N, Hooli, W-H, O-O-L-E-Y. Subscribe to the Mass Device Fast Five wherever you listen to podcasts and share this episode. Join us Friday for your daily MedTech News Roundup. Thank you for listening. Mm-hmm.